everybody isn't going to make it out of the hood and be football stars and basketball stars and rappers and musicians and producers and movie stars. It's just not going to happen. Right. So what else, what else are we giving them to be successful? Right. And, and that is the gap. That's the dream. The dream is, is for everybody to understand what Martin Luther King's dream was really about. And it wasn't necessarily just about black people. It was about just us living in harmony and in community, helping one another. But the problem is, is we didn't do it within ourselves. Right. We didn't do it within our own community. Right. And even now, we're looking for the white man to change the narrative, but we got to change the narrative ourselves. Yup, this is Caesar Walker, the cool, calm, collected one. And I'm Ronnie Gatry, the emotional one. And we are the Tipping Point Podcast, your source for the black male's perspective. <laughs> Walker! We finna cook! Peace and blessings, beloveds. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to the latest and greatest episode. Shout out to all listeners, both new and old. Old gentleman, Gatry, Black. Here. How are y'all doing? Doing great now that I'm with you guys. That is awesome. Did uh, you have a good week? No, the rest of the week was trash. Was it? Yeah. Really? Dude, I've been waiting on are this you for being seven extra, days. Are you, is that true or are you being extra? No, I had a great week. <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't think so. You usually have a different kind of energy if the whole week was trash. <laughs> no. We've been week, doing this way too long. The week was great, man. Uh, no complaints, but I'm just really happy to be here. Like I, I say that every week, I think. But y'all, y'all know I mean it. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, we, I do. we do, we no, do. No cap, as you kids say. <laughs> it's amazing how someone as young as you <laughs> can make that sound so old. Black, how you doing, bro? I'm good. You good? <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good week? Yeah. Compared to Ronnie, I'm not sure, but it was good, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so what do we got, man? Wait, 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 what? wait! Because I'm not going to get fussed out about this this week. How have you been, Walker? <gasps> wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm pinching myself for those who can't see me. Hold on. I'm still here. I am good. Good man. I am good. Th- thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be seen. I'm a work in progress. Won't he do it? <laughs> he will. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I've had a good week. Great, I, and man. a good day as well. So Great, dude. Looking forward to the weekend. Hey, the hair looks very nice, by the Thank way. Thank you. Shout out to LP. Yeah. The homie LP. Friend of the show. Yes. Yes. So he sends he sends his regards as well. Okay. Cool. <laughs> he knows you're out there. He sees you too. Good deal. Good deal. That's all I really want for a huge percentage of my life is for LP to acknowledge me. <laughs> And and he will never leave you hanging. (laughs) He's a people person through and through. Yes, indeed. Well, Walker, um, enough with the small talk. Uh, I bought a very special person to me into the studio today. I bought him. I brought him. I brought him. I put him on my shoulders and I carried him in against his will. Mm, you know, that's, that's what how, took, is that what took y'all so long to get upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> Not as strong as I used to be. <laughs> but no, this this guy I consider a friend of mine, man. Um, 
when I met this guy, we had an instant connection. And, you know, with me being as reserved as I am, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, I got a lot of respect and a lot of love for this guy. Um, he is the mortgage guru of Birmingham, as I say. Yeah, I'm putting it out there. He's one of the most popular people in this city. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't you can't really roam the streets and put this name out here and somebody say, who? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's put a lot of folks in houses. So um without further ado, I give you my guy, Stephen Michael Washington. What's up, what's up? Welcome, sir. Welcome, yes, sir. welcome. Yes, sir. Again, thanks for the time, Stephen Michael. Thank I'm gonna thank you on the opener, and I'm gonna thank you uh, once we wrap up. So uh, just be ready for that second one. <laughs> so I've given I've given a little bit of info. I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm in the real estate field, so um, I I definitely know about you and what you provide in terms of services and things like that. But I want to give you an opportunity to kind of like let let the listeners know who you are and what you're about. Um, I will say what I'm about. <clears throat> you know, really, I, I just. Um I believe that everybody should have an opportunity for home ownership, like period. If um, you're 18 up above um, and you got life in your body, you need a home. And and so that's um, that's kind of been my mantra. You know, just everybody should have a home. So whatever that looks like for you, your situation, that's what we need to you know that's what we need to do. Nice. Try to make it happen. So of course it's a choice. But I, I just believe that it's um, it's a right that we all have by living in this country is to be able to have a, a, a piece of land. Mm. So, uh, how did how did it. you get how did you get to where you are now professionally? Like what what what's the, what's the what's your journey? What's your story? <laughs> That's um I don't, I don't know if we have enough time, <laughs> time for that. But give me the cliff notes. I give you the cliff notes, yeah. right? So um, <clears throat> almost eighteen years ago, I was um, working at Singular Wireless. Um, Doing um, cell phone Taylor sales. Wow, singular. Dude, <laughs> you taking us back. <laughs> the rollback. Yeah. Right? And um, there was a guy uh, that I was working with that was always talking about his cousin in Texas that um, was doing mortgages and was making a whole bunch of money and all this other kind of stuff. And I said, I want in. Like, tell me about it. He was talking about this class that he was going to do in Texas and he was going to go and, and learn the mortgage business. And I said, Man, don't forget me. When you go, take me with you. I want to go. I want to learn. I want in. And um, one day, he was gone. Never heard from him again. And um, But it, a, a seed was planted. So I started um, to look in the classifieds, which nobody opens a paper to look for a job anymore. Right. Because we have the internet and uh, monster.com and all these other platforms. But um, I was pulling the, the Sunday newspaper monday through friday i was looking at classifieds in the loan section you know calling 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 and i would go on interviews and nobody was hiring somebody without experience and so i was being told no no or they just didn't call me back and um then there was a company called aegis who's not in business anymore but at that time and this was in nashville and went on an interview they was hiring people straight off you know off the street and um they said, just you know, come in and we're going to teach you business. And so I, I came in and they didn't teach me the business. <laughs> y'all know, mm, yeah, yeah. know how that goes, right? Yeah. Yes, just, 100%. Just get you in the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, just call these people and just talk to them and get this information and, and we'll, we'll work it up for you, whatever. 
And um, after some time that was done, I um, I moved back to Birmingham because I had that's another long story, but <laughs> I, I had left Birmingham because didn't want to be here to start with. And um, but a girl brought me back. Oof. <laughs> Every time, <laughs> just, just let that happen. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, <clears throat> so a girl brought me back, and so I came back to Birmingham. I was working for brokers and here, there, and everywhere. And then I got on with Wells Fargo. And so Wells Fargo in 2007 was a completely different Wells Fargo than the Wells Fargo that people know of today. It was mm. just different culture, different environment. It was before the bank came into Birmingham. So it wasn't a bank atmosphere. It was it was more of, of a mortgage atmosphere. And anybody in the mortgage or banking world would tell you that there is a there's a divide between mortgage and bank and bank and mortgage and they butt heads from time to time. It's a it's a culture war, but whatever. Hmm. But I was at Wells Fargo and anybody that was anybody in the mortgage business, you weren't doing anything unless you was working at Wells Fargo. Like that was the thing to do then. Um I met who I considered my mentor, worked for him, and kind of my mindset changed. So as I tell everybody, um, I kind of had a rebirth into the mortgage business. And that was, what, 13 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 13 years ago. And um, and then it was the summer of 2008 was like a, a defining moment for myself. It was a summer that I would never forget. <clears throat> I lost my job at Wells Fargo. Um, two weeks after I lost my job at Wells Fargo, found out that I was pregnant with that we were pregnant with my oldest son. Okay, so the summer of two thousand and eight, I got evicted. Lost just about everything. This is two thousand eight. Two thousand and eight. That's a good time for the, all of this too, because with, with the yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because of that. Well, well, yeah. well, and it had actually had nothing to do with it. In, in essence, Oof. but it oh. was actually before because everybody puts two thousand eight as the crash, but technically the crash didn't actually happen until late two thousand eight, early two thousand and nine. It was it was just on the verge of it. It was just you know gotcha. kind of pulsating to an gotcha. extent. Um, but this was April 2008, and then that summer, <clears throat> it was just everything. And i never forget, it was about um, July, August, I started working for Hardee's, right, because I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get a job because of some of the stuff that happened at Wells Fargo, which I, t- I can't talk about. That's fine. So, Fair enough. But um, I can, but I can't. But... <laughs> <laughs> I want to, but I can't. I got you. Okay. okay. So Understood. You right. Right. So, NDA. Right. right. Yeah. Right. NDA. AF. Yeah. Right. So, um, but anyway, I um, I had found a job with a broker, and so this is kind of where my life changed because then I this is when I realized that God had orchestrated and ordained all of this. I was working for Hardee's, and it was September the 22nd, 2008. It was my first day. It was a Monday. And I remember this day because two things. Number one, it was a Monday. But number two, it was my sister's birthday. So it's easy to remember the date. I went to work my very first day at this brokerage forum on this Monday, and I was scheduled to work at Hardee's that night because I was going to keep it. I had a pregnant wife. And, and may I add, we was on Medicaid, welfare, WIC, 
um, food stamps, all of it. You name it, we got it. Because, of course, I had a pregnant wife with no job. Right. I had to. had no choice to. Mm. So, anyway, I come home from work. I go home. I change because I was suited up. Like, I was ready to go. Cufflinks, everything. And I walked down to the Hardys because it was down the street. You know the Hardys in Cahaba Heights or used to be a Hardys. It's the Peter stop now. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. It used to be a Hardys. Yeah. So we lived in those townhomes. I walked to work. They had closed the Hardys. They had closed the Hardys. There was a sign on the door. We're closed. Mm. Absolutely. And so I, so it was in that moment I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and God had put all this stuff in motion. Found me the job, got me the job, because he, what he knew that I didn't know is that the Hardys was going to be closed on that Monday, September 22nd. And, um, and so at that moment, I had to kind of recluse because, of course, the things that happened at West Fargo. And I, I, um, I did it. I actually didn't have to, but I, I did it because that's what I felt. I was, I was, there was fear. And so I kind of recluse that I was kind of in my own world. And, and then I got to a point to where I just realized that I can't, I can't live in the shadows, right? And I had this rebirth in the mortgage business. And I just came to the forefront and, and started to establish relationships and work with realtors because I really hadn't done that at a high level at that point in time. And, and then kind of the rest is history. And then it brought me to this point. And so when I go into these communities and I have conversations with people that have the mentality that they can't, I tell them that story. And I tell them about, you know, how there was a guy who almost lost everything, like, like almost lost everything, literally. And, um, and then I tell them that guy standing in front of you and, you know, I have on a suit and, you know, not that that means anything, but to a certain degree it does. And, um, and the point of it is, it doesn't matter what life throws at you. If, if you have a, um, if you have faith and you believe, um, that this is just a journey. And, and so if it's just a journey, that means that nothing that happens on the journey can kill you. Nothing on that journey can destroy you. Nothing that happens, it only happens if you allow it to happen to you eternally, like forever, long, mm -hmm. long term. Um, but the bottom line is, is you can come back from it and you can actually be greater than what you ever was before those events happened to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's a it's a message of hope to help them understand that it's not over, that as long as you have breath in your body, you have an opportunity to change your future based upon what you do today. And, and so that is kind of how I've come to where I am today. And um, it's, it's the reason why I do what I do. Goodness so gracious, yeah. man. So, so we're, the three of us in here are homeowners. Awesome. But, but let's say, for example, you're... you're Wait, the four of us. Well, you're talking to the three of us who are on the show, who are yeah. host of the show. Uh, I understand where you're okay. coming from. Okay. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm on the edge about that. <laughs> there are some people who will take the simple and will complicate it, all right? So don't, none of those people are here. <laughs> I know, right? I could podcast with somebody like that. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> so. So you you're you are let's just say for example you are sitting in front of a 24 year old mm -hmm. out of college mm -hmm. just got a job he, he's getting his he's getting his feet up under him or her and and 
they're talking to you about the next move in terms of moving out because you know sometimes you move in with mom or dad or whatever and you're you're about to go out and they may grab an apartment what do you tell them in the importance of in terms of starting out with the home um the 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 biggest thing that I tell them is <clears throat> you have to invest in your future. And then I explain to them that home ownership, a home property is going to be the greatest and the one of the largest assets that you will obtain. The second thing that I tell them is that all wealth created in America was created by property. And so if you go out through if you go throughout history of the the wealthiest men that ever lived in this country, that built this country and, and operated in this country, Carnegie, Rockefeller, Trump, all of those guys. Yeah, you, you see some of the things that they did, but it all started with property, right? Mm-hmm. Even your oil tycoons, where is oil? Oil is in right. land. Right. In order to mine the oil and sell it, you got to own the land. Mm-hmm. That's property. Um, Rockefeller and all those guys with with um, with steel, et cetera, et cetera. Where is steel? In the land. So what do you got to own in order to mine it and to use it? You got to own the land. Mm-hmm. So all of wealth in this country was created by land. You got to get a piece of that. Like, yes, great 401ks and all other kind of stuff, but property is where it at. Where is where it is at. Because property is, to a certain extent, it's immune to some of the ins and outs because of, of all things. Um, stuff is going to come and go, right? There are a lot of commodities that existed 50, 60 years ago that don't exist today. Um, there are companies that were hotly traded 20, 30 years ago. We, we just talked about the crash, right? Mm-hmm. Lehman Brothers, where are they at? Mm. You know? Yeah. And a lot of people had a lot of stock in them. Yeah. But this that's is something question. that's never going to go. It's going to go up, it's going to come down, and it's going to go back up. But property is always going to be profitable no matter what happens because it's cyclical so even though the value may drop at some point in time it's going to turn back around the problem that we have is we don't have the patience to sustain the down to wait for it to come back up um i had a friend of mine in dc that um i talked to back when the pandemic happened and he was thinking about you know should i sell it should i this should i that you know, what should I do? Should I refinance this, that, or other? I said, well, I said, it all depends on what you're wanting to do with the property and what you're wanting to do long term. I said, because if you're, if you're wanting to hold it, one, you got to be willing to hold it for a long time. I said, because the bubble's going to bust at some point in time in the near future. Don't know exactly when, but it's going to happen um, sooner than later. Mm-hmm. So if you are planning to hold it, one, be ready to hold it for at least five years. And if you're going to do that, then you need to refinance, get it in the lowest interest rate you possibly can to ride that out and create a cash flow. But if you're going to sell it, then you need to sell it at the height of the bubble. Yeah. When things are hot, which is right, right now. now. Yes. So sell it now. Don't wait because the last thing you want to do is wait two years and then try to sell it. That's going to be the worst time to sell it. Mm. So it's it's a it's about just understanding <clears throat> how to create wealth and understanding that property is a vehicle to help you get there. And and that's the conversation that I have with that twenty four year old. To, it, it, they were twenty four, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Of course. Of to, course. To your point about <laughs> the value of selling at its highest value, mm-hmm. like right now. Mm-hmm. Conversely speaking. If you're trying to get into mm-hmm. land ownership or real estate, I feel like it's a great time now because interest rates are. I mean, they they've been they've been climbing. They're not as low as they were mm-hmm. in the end of the year 2020. I'm glad that you said that, Ronnie. Okay. That. Okay. Thank you. 
Well, no, I know. I'm glad that you said about <laughs> rates that they're they're still good. They're not as high as they were, but still lower they were. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so I mean, would you agree with Absolutely. that? Okay, okay. Just yeah. just because I, I've and I, I've, I try not to like since I'm in real estate, I try not to be that guy. Oh, he's in real estate, so that's all he's going to talk about. But I try to encourage those close to me to really consider. And if you've been thinking about it. Take those thoughts and put some action behind it now and just see what can happen, right? Yeah, so best, it's, it's a great time to sell. <clears throat> sellers, we need sellers. So people that have properties like sell. Like all, all my realtor friends are looking for listings. Listings like, are. Like it's inventory is, is a beast. So anybody that's listening, <laughs> if you try to move something <laughs> and you want to sell, <laughs> like. Call your realtor. Let's go. Gotcha. We need some. We need some inventory. Okay. I had to have that plug. Of yeah. course. That's no, all good. No, no. That's, that's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. I mean, what when you talk about our community, the black community, you look at the landscape in terms of those who own versus those who rent, mm-hmm. right? What 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 is your dream scenario for our community, and and, and how far off? are we present day from that dream you have? So this is a very touchy um, subject. Um, I will start by saying we are way off. I don't doubt that. We, 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 we are way off. Um, we, I, I, I would like to think that the gap has closed, but I, I don't think that it has. I don't think it has in the way that we believe that it, has closed. <clears throat> I think that we are improving in certain pockets, but holistically we're not. Um, the the dream that I have for black home ownership is not necessarily that the number of blacks who own homes increases. Like that's part of it, but that's only that's that's only surface. It's that we become educated not just about home ownership, but also about wealth, about generational wealth, about not just thinking about ourselves, but who's next to us. Um, We had a huge feeling of community then when we didn't have anything. And I think what has happened is a combination of two things. We, there was a, um, a friend of mine, we talk about all the time that there's a there's a missing generation. So there's a, you know me, I'm, I'm going to have to go there. That's okay. So if you go all the way back to the children of Israel, right? Okay. <clears throat> the children of Israel, they were given the instructions. God had told them that um, I want you to write these commandments on the table of your hearts. So you'll never forget me. He created the Passover because he always wanted them to remember how he brought them out of Egypt. Right. But then he gave him very specific instructions that I think we as blacks today do not understand the importance of those instructions and we forget it. And that is, I want you to teach your children, your grandchildren and their children. Number one, how I brought you out of how I brought you out of Egypt and two, these commandments and never forget them and keep them in your heart where they're close to you and dear to you. If we take that and apply it today, <clears throat> then we wouldn't be where we are at this present moment. There was a generation that forgot to pass on the importance of community, mm. of family, of home ownership, having your own, building wealth, 
passing that wealth to the next generation yeah. and just creating a feeling of pride and, and, and self-awareness. Yeah. And so as a result, we've now gotten to the generation that we're dealing with now, and they don't understand that. Yeah. They have evolved into this hip hop generation that, and I'm not down in music because I love music. I love I love all music, but hip hop is teaching them and giving them example. And, and we as parents, because I have children, but we as parents are not showing them what they truly need to know for them to be successful because everybody isn't going to make it out of the hood and be football stars and basketball stars and rappers and musicians and producers and movie stars. It's just not going to happen. Right. So what else, what else are we giving them to be successful? Right. And, and that is the gap. That's the dream. The dream is, is for everybody to understand what Martin Luther King's dream was really about. And it wasn't necessarily just about black people. It was about just us living in harmony and in community, helping one another. But the problem is, is we didn't do it within ourselves. Right. We didn't do it within our own community. Right. Um, and even now, we're looking for the white man to change the narrative, but we got to change the narrative ourselves. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's that's Ma Malcolm X preached that. Like, yeah. that was pretty much his message, yeah. is that yeah. it, 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 start, it, starts, it starts with us and... I, I guess we can talk about that. Do you do you think that some of the things that has happened to our communities? Because you know you you do have uh, previous generations who wasn't statistics, right? Who didn't get who didn't become a statistic when drugs were introduced into our communities. Um, who didn't become a statistic when the the mandatory minimums was passed and the crime bill was passed and states were incentivized to crack down hard on these communities that were drug infested, right? Right. So for the parents that survived that, who didn't become a statistic of that, you're saying they kind of lost their way in terms of passing along the things that previous generations did instill within them. Yeah, because I, I believe anger entered into the equation. Okay. Anger and and being, um, you know, they they went back and they grabbed that we was written a blank check and 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 so then, you know, just anger entered into yeah. the equation and then the anger kind of morphed and got perverted and it turned into other things and 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 I, that's where I believe it it began mm. and um, and so I believe in African American community we are fighting the anger that we have and, and are missing the opportunity that exists. Gotcha. And, um, and, and that's kind of where I think we've maybe lost the way just a little bit. To put it, to put it simply, do you think a big part of it is our own trauma got in our own way? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause, cause yeah. to me, I just, I think there's so much trauma that has, it's almost like an infection. It just sits in our community and yeah. we never dealt with it. And so we're making progress, but it almost seems like we're, we're in a rat race. Like mm -hmm. we're moving, we're doing stuff, but we're not going anywhere as right. a community. Right. Do you think we've lost sight of community? I think you can say that we have um, uh, and, and what that really means. Um, because when you think of community, you, you know, we sometimes think about big picture and, and, you know, when you talk about who's your neighbor and things of that nature, and, and uh, again, we, we, we go back to 
you know, you know, the Bible as, as far as that, you know, it's neighbor is defined. Yeah. In, you know, in the Bible of, of what a neighbor is and, and it's anybody that you come in contact with. Sure. Mm, sure. And, and so I, I think where we miss the boat is we just don't treat each other right. You know, we're, we're just That's not, a fact. we're not kind to one another. We, we, we don't help one another. We, you know, we, we're always trying to be first. We're always trying to get in front. You know, you, you see it everywhere. You see it at yeah. the lines at the grocery store. You, you see it on the interstate and trying to get on a, a on ramp. You, you, no one's letting anybody buy anymore. You see it funeral processions. We don't pull over and give respect to a funeral procession. Like these are very yeah. simple things, but it speaks to the bigger problem at hand. And it's just we don't love one another. We don't honor one another. And at the end of the day, we don't understand that our neighbor is the people that we come in contact with every single day. Indeed. Indeed. Goodness. Well, th- thinking about how heavy those thoughts are, and I, I think I know part of the answer, but I'll ask you, how does home ownership change that narrative? Yeah. And I'm speaking in particular to the black community. It's um, pride. You know, it yeah. um, home ownership brings about a, a certain pride. Yeah. And so <clears throat> let's let's go back to this. Bar- Barack Obama, um, um, I'm not sure if it was first term or second term, but one of the things that he was trying to push was he was trying to bring government assistance and move it towards more so government subsidies. He had an idea and a thought that if you can take the individual out of the projects and put them in more of a community setting, that it would change their mindset. He understood that those that were long-term on government assistance that it was a mentality that caused them to stay on it and not grow beyond it and not necessarily the money. It was a crutch. Yeah, it became a crutch. But but how do you change the mindset? Well, we're products of our environment. You change the environment. So the idea was if we can get them away from what the the typical traditional projects were, you know, cinder blocks and, and, and concrete walls and concrete floors, et cetera, and, and gates and, you know, that, that image that we have when we think about the projects. If we can get them from that, he was moving it from government assistance and take it to government su- subsidies. In other words, privatizing Section 8, privatizing rental properties, right? And, and where the government provides subsidies to, um, to these individuals to pay their rent. That's where Section 8 comes into place. Well, moving that to that, well, then they came up with, um, it's called Financial Self-Sufficiency. It's, it's, a, it's a program that we even have here in the city, the Birmingham Housing Authority, um, where it basically, it's, it's a program that helps individuals get from Section 8 to home ownership to paying and, and doing themselves. So they are rewarded for doing better in life, whether it's education, whether it's better employment, making more money, things of that nature. Um, and it gets them to a point to where they realize that, oh, wait a minute, I can do this on my own? Like, mm. I, can, I can actually do this? And so they're supporting, they're helping with bettering themselves, whether they're going and um, <clears throat> becoming a, a nurse technician um, and getting that certification and, or, or going back to school and, and getting better jobs. And, and so the, his point was, if you can get them from the projects and get them in the house, and they're still on Section 8, they're renting, but instead of being 
in the concrete situation, they're in a regular home with a yard, neighbors, mm-hmm. dogs, etc. They're still renting their own Section 8. But then with the self-sufficiency program, it kind of weans them off of the Section 8 to where they're getting less Section 8, but they're paying more themselves. And then it also allows them to purchase a home. So now you've, you've gotten them out of the project. So now you're changing their mindset. Now you're helping them realize that I can do this myself. And now you're giving them something that they own. So you're helping them buy a house. They're still on Section 8. They're paying the mortgage. Section 8 is paying the mortgage too. And then eventually they get to the point to where they're not on Section 8 anymore. And they can sustain themselves. It's, it's two things. It's one. We don't believe that we can do it. Right. And what's even worse than that, we have friends and family that's telling us that we cannot do it. So if we can kill that right. and then show them how, we can get them there. I, I think that is ultra powerful. Um, I'm going to be transparent here because I believe in a lot of what you said. I think some of it even applies to me. Grew up in a middle class household, Right. Very, well, <laughs> to some degree, you, you, you know, quali- quality upbringing, I would mm-hmm. say. You know, went to a great school, all that stuff. But even... What happened? It's right there. Like, was, teed up and everything. Yeah, yes. Well played, well played. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think of even me growing up, like, no one directly connected to me even told me about the value of home ownership. Now, fun fact... I became a homeowner at the age of 26, but a lot of the characteristics you just laid out, I had those too. It actually took somebody like you, a mortgage professional, coming into my life, painting that painting that reality for me. Mm-hmm. Because I was just of the mindset, because my homeboys were getting apartments, I was like, man, let me let me find an apartment, let me just get in there and do and, and it. Even from a middle middle class household, I still had that mindset, so I couldn't imagine coming from anything lower than middle class like what I, it, you have to be even further away from that from a piece of that reality of home ownership right so uh that's crazy because i think i became a homeowner at 26 too i think yeah yeah that's oh, wow no, so yeah and, and then and then oh when that happens we, we, and you know our thing is we're the black male perspective when that happens people are looking at us and they're like y'all just babies how y'all how y'all got houses my homeboys are like, wait, 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 wait. This this is your house? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. It's let me phenomenal. Yeah, let me tell you what I did. Yeah. Even my own mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love my mom, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But she was even like, and wait, see, wait, what? And that's and that's the problem. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. the problem because it shouldn't be a phenomenon. Right. It should be the norm. Right. Yeah. 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 It you know, it just never I remember like I at, at Auburn, a lot of the student body lived off campus. Mm-hmm. And so throughout my whole experience in college, I was in an apartment. You know, of course, the, it's, the, the rates are lower because it's college students, but nice, decent apartments. I knew then I don't want to do this when I become an adult. Like something does not feel right about this. You know what I mean? And it just, I, and I was like, I don't want, yeah, I don't care how long I got to stay with mom and dad, but I don't want to rent out of college because I've done it enough. I've I've seen the movie. It sucks. Let's do something different. You know what I mean? I think for me that pushed me into home ownership, but I didn't have to your point. I didn't have the wisdom in knowing that that's an investment 
that sets me up for the long haul. Yeah. Like if I'd have had that, if I had that education, I would have even been strategic in what home I would, I, you know what I mean? I would have done some things differently, even though I'm grateful for what I did, but it's just, I knew something didn't feel right about it. What you got black. I was just going to ask, do you think the difference is that you both grew up in a home? Like y'all, y'all started from being in a home. That's true. That, a lot that of could be a part of it. I didn't grow up in a home. I don't think so. Here, here's my reason why. Here's okay. my reason why. Uh, and I was 23. I just did the math in my head again. I'm not trying to stun on anybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a small flex. It's a small flex. I mean, is, this, flex. is this thing on? <laughs> I'm not trying to flex. <laughs> my math is terrible. But no, but no. Here's why I disagree with what you said. Think about, think about how you were raised. There in were home. things at, in the home, right? There were things you were taught. There were things that were there were certain characteristics, uh, respect, manners, things that were cultivated into the fabric of your upbringing. Right. How much of that centered around home ownership? How much of it? Yeah. In terms of. Now, now I'm, I'm genuinely asking, but I know for me, it wasn't like, oh, you can get a home. You can be a homeowner. No, my parents did kind of talk to me about they it. They did. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so again, nothing against my parents. My mom listens, but <laughs> I think they, I think they actually, but, when I told them, I was like, oh, I don't want to get an apartment. That was like, we'll get a home. Okay. We'll just just okay. crash, stay here for a little bit. And so, yeah. But, Black, do you get my point, though? I get your point, but I was thinking about like the people who like are in the projects. They've never experienced being in a home. So, it may be like a bigger leap for them than someone who started out. Like yourself in a home. I see what you mean now. Okay. Okay. Or if you grew up in a, or just apartments. Yeah. We didn't even, it didn't got to be extreme. You yeah. could just never have been in a home, period. Yeah. So yeah. mom never had a home. Dad never had a home. It's like, absolutely. I, I'm going to do what now? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, so, we're a product of our environments. True. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I definitely uh, uh, agree with the state because some of it is, like you've stated, having the conversations. But when you don't have the example to go along with the conversation, it, it, you know that the conversation is just a conversation, right? I, I mean, because if you if you was to pull somebody in here and that lived in an apartment all their life, and their their parents lived in an apartment all, all their life or rented all their life, and their parents told them about home ownership, more than likely they're probably renting right now. They don't have, they don't own a home, because I, you got the two go together. Hypocrisy is the biggest killer of 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 anything. You know, it's it's no different. You know, they, they talk about um, <clears throat> you hear the preacher always talking about um, you 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 can't um, expect your kids to love the church when when you get in the car you you talk bad about the pastor mm. and everybody else in the church. Like, I mean, because kids see the hypocrisy, they see through it. Why why are you right. going to tell me not to smoke? Right. And I see you light up a pack every day. So right. I mean, it, it 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 goes with that theory. Gotcha. So. I think it's a combination of, and, and so back to that that generation that's missing. There's a whole generation that live their life renting. I mean, because think about it. You go back to the '60s and the '70s, the '50s, '40s. Man, we had a lot of home ownership. Did we really? Yeah, man. Yeah. Like black Black Wall Street, like all oh, yeah. of that stuff. Okay. Even in Birmingham. But even in Birmingham, you had there all, was a yeah. lot of black home ownership in Birmingham. There are cities right there are. There are cities right now that were thriving, and then it just changed. Because when the white flight took place, I'm telling you, anger set in. Oh, well, if you don't care, I don't care either. 
just let it happen. Dang. And I think that's what happened to us. We went through that moment mm. of, of just being angry and, and, and we just let it go. We just let it go. Wow. Do you think, um, do you, cause that happened when? That 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 happened. I know when did when did Ayrton get into into? Oh, now that's because uh, I, I I definitely wasn't here. I don't remember exactly. Okay, nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Okay. Do you think too for a lot of people in the Bible Belt in the South? Do you think when some of my when 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 King was assassinated, and do you think that really took the win? Out of a, do you think just emotionally we never got over that as a community? That, you know that's a that's a good point, and I and I believe and I believe so. I mean because the the if I'm not mistaken, the civil rights bill was passed after his assassination. It was, yeah, okay, it was. And um, and then of course you had 11 years later, as as me and Ronnie was talking last night, you had the Community Reinvestment Act that that was then um, passed in um, the late 70s. But I think there was just fatigue because I think just think about the black community. Who was the leader of the black community? Just in general, it's the pastor of the church. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Especially during the civil rights. Yeah, especially during the civil rights. But, yeah. but yeah. even today, when you get oh, in yeah. and you get in those those deep black communities, the pastor of the church is the leader of the community. And that's who Martin Luther King was. Martin Luther King was the national pastor of the black community. It just was what it was. Mm-hmm. And you 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 snatch him up out of here? Like it just it was, it was like it's 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 like cutting off a head of a snake. Took a lot of The hope. snake is just gonna wiggle all over the place, it has no direction, has yeah. nowhere to go, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody was turning, trying to find a leader. But what Martin Luther King was trying to embed into our hearts, into our minds, that that leadership is within us, that mm-hmm. we had to lead from within our hearts and find the power within us to lead our lives, to be examples for our children right. and our communities, to love one another. Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers, right. Yeah. And, um, and we missed that message. Yeah. We missed that message. I, I agree. And with And even that today, I think we missed that message. And we we see him as pushing back and and marching and all this other kind of stuff. But no, he was trying to ingrain in our minds and our hearts that it started with us. That yeah, we can write laws, but until we change, we got to be the change. And then change will effectively happen around us. And and I think we missed that message. And then when he got assassinated, oh man, it just blew up. Goodness gracious! It just good blew question. Up. Okay. How are we right now? I'm, I'm, I got about five. Okay. So, and so, in 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 closing, what what are some things that you want to impart? Um, just in general, it could be to the young generation, the black community, just in general. What are some of the lasting points you want to lead as it pertains to home ownership? I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid. Like that, I think that's number one. Remove the fear. Right. Um, we. We tell I tell my kids all the time, you cannot be afraid of the word no. Yeah. Like you, you, you just cannot be. Um, because it's not gonna be no always, right? Um, right? it's just no temporarily for the moment. So I would say fear. Remove the fear. Okay. There's no fear in love, so get rid of the fear. The second thing is is when you put in the GPS when you're going somewhere, the GPS asks you to question. It asks you your destination. 
and then it asks you where you are right now. We have got to know where we are right now. We cannot be afraid to see where we are right now. The, the way that you fix problems is first identifying what the problem is. We are so afraid of looking in the mirror and seeing who we are. But the only way that we're going to get to where we want to be is we got to understand where we are today. So what does that mean? That means applying. Fill out an application. Have somebody pull your credit. Have somebody look at your employment income situation and find out what is keeping you from getting a home. And then when they give you those instructions, follow those instructions. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. When you get those instructions, follow those instructions. No one goes to the doctor. I'm saying most people don't go to the doctor <laughs> when they're sick and they're tired of being sick, and then the doctor says, take this medicine, then go home and throw the medicine in the trash. Right, right. Unless you just enjoy being sick. Right. So take the same approach to home ownership. Go to a professional, an expert, find out where you are, take their instructions, and do something about it. And, and, that, and that's really the message because, oh, that sounds so simple. It really is that simple. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Speaking from experience, I can echo everything you just said, yeah. like 100%. So, all right. Stephen Michael, thank you. Thanks again, man. Seriously. It. You dropped some gems. And that, that's what I was texting you the other day. You, you did. Yeah, mission accomplished. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you so much for, yeah. for reaching out and wanting to stop by and, and, and sharing with us and our listeners, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate and you'll, you guys. You'll be back. Um, <laughs> do you want to give some people, like, how can people reach you? If, if people hearing what you're talking about and they like, listen, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna take I'm gonna make the leap and I want this guy to help me. How can they reach you? 205-937-7685. That's my number. Call me. All right. Cool. Appreciate you guys. Uh, this is awesome. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with our normal shenanigans. <laughs> And we are back, Gatry. Let's get into it, sir. Uh, there we got the we got the prayer list, right? Yeah, and there's um, a no brainer where we start on this one. Let's not start there. Let's start with Philip Adams. Um, Dude, we're gonna talk about this. So sad. And usually the prayer list is sad, or not, because usually you put the prayer yeah. list in the praise reports. Because I messed up. I did Roy Williams last week, and you didn't like that. Well, I'll put him his praise report. He's retired. Did you listen back to that? It was like, this is not about me. Go ahead, Walker. <laughs> sure. Why do you want to make it about me? No, you made it about yourself. <laughs> Chief Gaslighter. <laughs> Prayers for those involved with the situation with former NFL player Philip Adams, who killed five people and then killed himself. And. It's believed that he's going to be studied for his brain will be studied for traces of CTE. Um, what's your thoughts, man? Prayers with everybody involved in that. I just it was it was rough to rough to read. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I yeah. Just, I don't have. Yeah, it's not much. We we got to belabor on that. Um, Do you got the Rudolph kid too? No. You remember that Rudolph kid? Um, I should know this. He played for Florida State, but he made waves that year. He sat with the with the young boy with autism. Travis Rudolph, I think his name is. 
it was a big deal. Like it, he was on all the shows because it was just because Florida State's football team was there anyway. Um, he he warmed the hearts of America and the world really with that generous act. And now he's involved in this situation. He's killed somebody. Oh yeah, dude. So you made me think of it when you said Philip Adams, but and he had a very 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 brief stint in the NFL. But um, yeah, just unfortunate, man. Yeah. Um. Well. DMX, DMX, man, where do you begin? Um, I mean, again, we were pulling for him. You know, when the news broke um, a week prior. Um, of course, it's been some days now. As you're hearing this, um, it's we're recording on a Friday when it was announced that he had passed. Um, I was just hopeful, prayerful that Same. that he would make improvements. And as the week went on, it just appeared that, um. He wasn't and it just it was only just a matter of like when after they released a, an, uh, a statement on Thursday that the family will make an announcement yeah um you so especially after you saw after they did the brain test on Wednesday and it came out that not much improvement was made so um what do you make of it man uh I, I hate I hate how it all went down um I Dude, I just think I think about I think about DMX and my early adoption of his music, man. And it, it was a no brainer. This dude was talented. You know what I'm saying? And I think about the whole Rough Riders movement. I think about being young and telling myself that at 18, I was going to get the Rough Riders R tattooed on my shoulder. Thank God I didn't do that. But, um, you know, a lot of that influence came from him, you know, so um, definitely sad to see this Walker. But. I was holding when, when when I got the news that all this was going down, I was holding on the hope that he would make it through because I felt like this would be the one time that would reposition his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of his addictions and things like that. So like rooting for him, but my I guess my heart was more aligned with the reality of rooting for you, but when you make it out of this now we're gonna really lean into this addiction resolution type thing. So I hate that that didn't happen that way, but you know, still sad nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, I remember um, when we may have been still doing the pod via Zoom. Um, I talked about the the versus battle with him and Snoop. One and, of the better ones I've seen, and. I talked about how it was just good to see him. He just appeared to be in a good space, which I'm pretty sure he was in a good space at the time. And we had, we all have good days and then bad days. Right. So it's not to say that he wasn't in a good space, but again, man, we, we all have our, uh, we all have our vices. We all have things that we struggle with. Uh, We have our, our, you know what I mean? So it's, it's one of the unique things about hip hop is as big as hip hop is, it's still very young. And the most intriguing thing about hip hop is we get to see these rap heroes grow older. You know what I mean? And get old in hip hop. And so that was one of the dope things about the versus battle is to see these guys relive those moments and tell their stories and to see them in, in, in a good space. And it warmed my heart to see DMX. And I remember saying, man, he looks good, man. He looks, he looks like he's, he looks like he's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so to, to hear the news of, of him suffering a heart attack, 
uh, due to an overdose was was just it was it was a gut punch um, because again you're rooting for these guys man um, you're rooting for them you're rooting for them to beat the odds yeah. because because a lot of these guys did come out of environments where they was not supposed to come out of so that in and of themselves makes them victors and heroes in my opinion 100 so, but sometimes you take sometimes you never overcome some of those traumas and it's just unfortunate man but my prayers is with his family um his ex-wife um of course the rough rider family um people in the industry who were close to him knew him um yeah, I, I got a lot of his story by watching the Rough Rider Chronicles that aired on BET last I year. I haven't seen that. I'm pretty sure it's going to resurface now. Sure. Um, but and I think we got BET now, so yeah, okay. You should check it out. It's it's great story. Gotcha. Great story. But of course, it covers everyone. But DMX being the, at the center of it all. Um, but yeah, rest in peace to him, man. You're in our thoughts and prayers. We love you. We thank you for what you meant to us. And it's because of what you meant to us is why it's 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 a somber day for a lot of people in the hip hop culture. So yeah, yeah. What else you got? Prince Philip died today at ninety nine. I heard. I heard they're linking his death to stress from this whole Prince Harry. I know and, he was sick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was yeah. already he's already kind of ill, right? Yeah. But you know that the whole royal family's been taking heat since uh, you know the Meghan Markle and. The interview, it, right? The They're interview. saying this the stress from that could be linked to this, so mm. could be. But yeah, thoughts and prayers. That's um, that's a twisted situation. Okay. What else you got? You got a praise report? I do. Okay. My boy, my oldest, YG. Oh, dude, I got to get everything queued up because this was great. Anyway, he has a, an art piece. That's going to be on display next weekend at a regional Catholic school art show. My guy, Walker, my little guy. Okay. Congratulations. Nice. He was, what is he? He was one, he was one of two kids chosen out of all of second grade to have their artwork submitted to the show. Nice. Because of COVID. I'm sorry. I'm going to reel it back in. Because of COVID, this art show that happens every year is taking less entries for their selections, I guess. I haven't seen what he drew. <laughs> I didn't even know he was drawing stuff. But uh, my chest was out yesterday. I took my shirt off and I had my chest poked out because my shirt couldn't hold it. My boy, YG. Were you by yourself when you took your shirt off? No. Mm. I was parading the streets of Anniston, Alabama. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. No. Don't no. Do no. No. Let's go. Don't do what? Let's go. Let's go. Let's get to You don't want me to go too far? <laughs> that's 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 what you're stopping me from doing? <laughs> you don't want me to do too much. I could tell. You don't want me to do too much. I could tell you were about to go somewhere. I was just trying to go to another place in my head from that visual. Okay. But can can we uh do we have do you have anything else? No, that's all I got. All right. Shall we get Doherty? Sure. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> what let's, are we talking about? Let's go to Chapel Hill. Oh god. Yeah. All right. I think I've done enough. We don't have to talk about it. That's all I came for, Walker. The angst. 
Does, does Black know what you're talking about? He does. He does. Okay. Uh, Hubert Davis, newly coined head coach of my beloved Tar Heels basketball team. How, how do you feel about the hire? <clears throat> I felt like knowing how Carolina is structured in terms of all of their head coaches are in the Carolina family. I feel like Carolina nailed it. Being real with you guys, there wasn't much to choose from in terms of coaching based, pedigree. Based, based on, based based on, on that. On yeah, Billy, they Billy Cunningham choose. is the AD there. He For football, he'll bring in people from all over. For basketball, no one touches this if you're not affiliated with Carolina or have not been affiliated. That's not. Let's not. Let's not. That's not what? If we're going to go somewhere else, we don't need to go. We're not going to talk college basketball here. No, no, no. What? Okay, continue, continue, continue. I don't think that's that's a good idea, but whatever. Who asked you, Walker? <laughs> Clearly no one. <laughs> I'm going to be nicer once we're done with this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Hubert Davis's press conference was earlier this week. And I an audio clip for this. Should have. I, I thought about it. He was asked about how he felt about being the first African-American coach North Carolina's basketball team. Discuss or trash? Let's discuss it. Okay. So the people know what happened. So so I, I took you to a place and I left you hanging <laughs> on purpose. But um, he went on to talk about how proud he was, you know, being a part of the Carolina family, even talked about his NBA career. So as he's wrapping up his sentiments, he talks about how proud he is to have a Dude, wife b- b- before you do that who is caucasian before- what is the deal with you walker he's going to talk about how he was proud to be a black man the fourth black head coach I'm in not- north carolina period no no i don't think carolines had any black head coaches we got black here he's on it that's what okay I know that this is significant, Davis continued. I know that it is significant that I am the fourth African-American head coach in any sport in the history of University of North Carolina. I'm very proud to be African-American. He's, he's the first. He's the first for their basketball team. That's not what I was saying. Go on. Keep reading. But I'm also very proud that my wife is white. And I'm also very proud that my three very beautiful, unbelievable kids are a combination of us. Was that a response to a question? Yes. Do you know what the question was? How does it feel to be the first African-American coach of the North Carolina basketball team? Okay. What, 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 when you heard that, because I'm pretty sure you were streaming it live from wherever you were. <laughs> of course. You know my first question, Walker, or my first statement? No one asked about your wife. No one did. This is about you, right? I sound very selfish here, okay? But as you know, and as Black knows, and as a lot of our listeners know, I can be literal. Sometimes I can be overly literal. Now, I'm not downplaying the, the value and the importance of him shouting out his wife, I'm just questionable about the context of his answer. Why? Um, 
Because I don't know where that adds value to the question. I'm not saying he can't mention her. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just trying to see how does that answer the question and what value does that add? So can I play the advocate here? Sure. Can he just let people know that he is proud of his white wife? He can. And to that to that question, which I'm going to answer directly, unlike HD, there's nothing wrong with being proud of your white wife. There's nothing wrong with that. Even though black America seems to be very opinionated about that. Um, again, I'm just going back to help me understand how that helps put meat on the skeleton of that question. Yeah, I don't know. Now, don't know. now, I gave my opinion. Do you think he was wrong for sharing the pride that he has in his white wife? It's nothing to let people know that he won, man. He won. Life is golden. I have a. I have. I'm the head coach of a prestigious basketball program. I have a white wife. It's a good day for him. He's 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 the American dream. Listen, I, I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm joking. But what I'm what I would say is that he may love his wife, and I hope he does. Right. I just it, it does seem odd. It it does seem odd in how he how he mentioned that. Just because it almost is like it's a status thing for him. Is what it seemed like. Like you know what I mean? Like no again to your point no one asked no one asked you about that. And listen, she may love your dirtiest of draws. I mean, she probably just is in love with you. And that's great. It's great to find someone who loves you like that and you love them. I don't know what their love is like because I only know Hubert Davis from when he was a pro player. Right. But it, it just seems weird to pull that out of thin air. And I've heard some people talk about it's OK to be proud of your blackness. It's OK to be proud of it. And you don't have to appease other people by pulling in whiteness to make them feel feel comfortable i've heard those types of conversations by people i don't know why hubert davis felt like that was necessary right you can be proud of her no one's telling you not to be it is to your point odd and it does seem like your white woman is, is a more of a status symbol and a notch on your belt and an achievement more than anything mm. because it's in the context of becoming the first black i have a white like it's almost like a a checklist that I've made it hmm. in a sense. Right. And that's what would rub a lot of people the wrong way in that regard. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, I don't know what's in that guy's heart. I don't know if it was just a Freudian slip. I don't know what it was. Right. Little, it seemed a little bit more than a Freudian slip, but what I'm saying is it's just odd. And it seemed like that is something you take a lot of pride in. And that is that does rub some black people the wrong way when we talk about self hatred. Mm. So gotcha. That that what you got, Black? Any any opinions on that? I just I I kind of feel bad for his wife because now there's a spotlight on her. Yeah. Because I know as soon as he said that, you know the first thing I googled. I did the same thing. <laughs> I did the exact same thing. I'm not gonna lie about it. I did the exact same I mean, thing. What was y'all looking for? What was y'all looking for? Something to be proud of? 
No, I'm like, see, what is he so proud of? That's what I wanted to know. Ah. Did you see it? They have a beautiful family. What you got next, man? Uh, you want me to <laughs> get the next door topic? Uh, oh, it's on me, huh? Right. If we're going to do this the way we normally do. <laughs> so I guess we're going to talk about them. We're going to bring them up since we're on the subject of basketball. Paul Pierce. He's on mine, too. This may be short. Yes, we're going to talk about this. Okay. All right. <laughs> what were your thoughts when you, when you saw that he got axed from ESPN? Are you going to give the backstory or are we just going to get into it? I think most people listening Fair know this. Enough. Paul Pierce, former NBA player, most known for playing with the Celtics, brought them a championship, played with, with former big three, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, of course, Paul Pierce, with Rajon Rondo, with Brian Scalabrini. Knock it off <laughs> With Doc Rivers as the head coach um, Of course after Boston He went and played around for other teams Clippers I think he played with Brooklyn one year Did he play for the Washington Bullet? I mean, he Wizards? did He did. Don't say he... the B word but he did play for the Wizards The B word <laughs> But uh, so, but he was most known Of course for being a, a, a Celtic Has been with ESPN for what the past Three four years as a as kind of like an analyst mm-hmm. on the uh, on the jump and on doing the halftime pregame shows for NBA games, um, he was on his IG live, his own IG live in LA with strippers, and it looks like he was uh, getting his puff on <laughs> some of that good that good it's good just legal in California, no it's harm done here. Yeah, um, but he trends and gets fired the following week. <laughs> Thoughts was I, was was this a excessive excessive on the part of Disney, which is the parent company of ESPN? I, I think so, I think so. Um, was it distasteful in what I saw? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like at thinking thinking with a corporate mindset, you don't want a representative of your organization displaying themselves like that. Not to where everybody on IG can see, right? Um, but. Part of me thinks this is what Paul Pierce wanted. He may have wanted out of ESPN for whatever reason. Cause like, what better way? What better way to say, hey, he does seem unbothered. Yeah. And he you have to believe he knows like this could really mess me up. Cause he's seen it when he's been covering for ESPN in the NBA capacity. He's seen it, so he knows. He gets the code. He's been with ESPN for uh, four or five years. He knows, right? And then I was I was listening to a radio show where they were talking about the morality clause that most people think could be in his contract. We won't know that for sure because it's not our business. But it's, you would it's think not public, probably not. It may yeah. be now, but you would think Disney. I bothered to look into it, but yeah. Disney of all companies would have some sort of morality clause. I would think so. You would think so. So, um, so that could be a violation and, and you know, the, the terms of that could lead to termination. You who knows the thing I don't like was I wish ESPN would have given him a chance to try to clean this up. Okay. And who knows? There could have been an offer made for him to make a statement. Yeah, maybe. Um, I was. I, I think I, this came from Rob Parker, and um, what's that? What's that? What's, yeah, what's that, boy? 
him and Broussard, man. Sometimes Rob Parker has like some of the worst takes, but go ahead. He does. He does. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but but I think Rob Parker just again he's trying to be that lightning rod type hot take type person. Like so, usually in an effort to be a hot take person, you will give some terrible takes here and there. Um, they said that they think that the re I think it was them. What got him fired wasn't necessarily that you're smoking weed, which is legal in L.A. and having strip like that is not what got the fact that you posted it. You went live from your I.G. account is what got you in trouble. Had you been on anyone else's live, you probably could have cleaned it up. But it's an almost an endorsement on your part when you do something like that, knowing that you're connected to ESPN like that. Right. I think that's what got him ultimately in trouble. Here's my thing. You could want out. You could do that. Just do what everyone else does. Quit. <laughs> Just quit. You don't have to burn a bridge. That's true. You don't have to do that. I that's don't think true. I don't think that's if that's if that's what he's doing. You can just you can just say, hey guys, I plan on transitioning out. Da 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 da. Uh, and again, you 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 want to if if whatever you go to doesn't work out, you always want to bridge back to where you came from, right? Because you never know. It's all about relationships. Yeah. I you don't want to you don't want to go out this way because ESPN, even if they want to bring you back, they can't now. They cannot. I don't think so. Uh, that could change. You know, but say this will be buried in a couple of weeks. So you think he'll be back doing the playoffs? And he the may finals? not be with ESPN, but somebody's going to ring his line. I'm just talking about with ESPN. Okay. No, is he is he back this season? Absolutely not. But this is just another thing. You know, and I, I I hate it and I obsess over it. But this is how our new cycle goes. You just wait a few weeks and it goes away. And we're in this cancel culture of everybody going back and digging up all things. But at the same time, things seem to go away quicker than we can imagine. So weird. Oh, well, so I mean, you disagree, Black. What's that face for? I'm just wondering. Do you think it's odd that he would post something like that, being a married man? He he said his wife knew oh, okay. what was going on downstairs. Paul Pierce did. Yeah. Hey, his his Listen, wife was in the house. There are a lot of um. There are a lot of married couples who go to strip clubs together. Right. I mean, so I'm not. I'm again. Relationship I, goals. I guess. I <laughs> <laughs> like Hubert Davis. I don't know what goes on, and I don't know what their relationship is like. That's that, all I'm saying. That was below the belt. Didn't I just say that with Hubert Davis? <laughs> How's that below the belt? How's that below the belt? I'll tell you later. Go ahead. I don't know what their relationship is like behind closed doors. Why well, you had to bring HD into it? Because I just said it. Like him. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What's wrong with you today? Huh? Nothing. I'm out of topics. Go ahead, Walker. Finish your point. You let me finish mine. You finish yours. No, wait. What did I do? You let me finish mine. Deshaun Watson. Now you want to talk about it. Deshaun Watson, because now more information has come out, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Information has been building for this for the past several weeks. So, so, so we saw a face in a in a in a statement from one of his accusers. No, for weeks we've seen that. Oh, but you said more information. Gatry, <laughs> let, let's 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 take this from the top. Let's let's take let's take this from the top. 
<laughs> what new information came out just this week? The the judge wanted to substantiate the accuser because she, like many others, had been presenting themselves as Jane Doe's or John Doe's. Okay. Right. And she gave a statement, an emotional statement, right, about the events that unfolded, right? Right. Okay. Isn't that new information? Continue Take on. Take your sir. time and get technical. No, Take your time and get technical. Continue on. No, I asked you a question. <laughs> Don't ever find yourself in court when you're on the you're on the stand. <laughs> Don't ever find yourself. Actually, when that happens, invite me. Well, COVID. Me and my bucket of popcorn will be there <laughs> watching you struggle the way you're struggling right now. You mean get taken away for contempt of court? I can see you. Hey, watch this. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Record. I've seen this for a hundred times. Like what, like what are we doing what I, are just, we do? I just don't understand how like last week We talked about it and you were like meh But now this week you want to you wanna lean into it Because I got more information on it That's fair Can what I you? take the can I Because I really didn't know a lot I didn't know I didn't know much I've heard about it but I was disconnected I thought he had a, I, He had one foot out of Houston I thought Then this hits and I'm like eh, This is just something that it just da 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 Now it looks a lot more serious than what I originally thought so I was originally wrong about this. <gasps> now, what I will say, like I said about T.I., I am now in a neutral position of waiting till facts are revealed. That's where I am, too. That's that's it. That's yeah. all I got to say about it's it. It's an unfortunate situation. It's unfortunate for, for everyone involved. Couldn't have said it better myself. It is very unfortunate. Um, I'm just now I'm in a, I'm in a neutral position. I'm just waiting. Do you listen to the I Am Athlete podcast? No, I've yet to check that, that one is, out. It is with in, Brandon Marshall, right? Yes, it is incredible. Let me start from there. But they had Andre Johnson on their latest episode, and they asked him about the Deshaun Watson thing. And so, without directly saying it, Andre Johnson, do y'all realize that he quit because the front office situation with the Texans was so to- toxic? No, I didn't know that. Okay. He, he told stories about how he continuously demanded a trade, and they kept telling him, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. We know we can control you with money. We're just going to throw more money at you when he desperately wanted out of there. And it, it they, they messed with his mental in an institutionalized type of capacity. Well, when the former owner said we can't let the guys uh, run the plantation, I can imagine what the rest of your organization functions like. Right. Now, you know he's since... Yes, we talked okay. about that last week. But the family it's, still runs it. Yeah, the family... Apple that, tree. Yeah. yeah, right. You do what you want to with that. But Andre Johnson's comments led me to believe that they have not faced any type of opposition from the players like they have with Deshaun Watson. And he said, that's why you're seeing this ugly side. But these guys have been capable of this since I was playing. Mm. These guys being the front office. Being the front office, yeah. And he he talks about certain guys, certain guys that are in charge of like the day-to-day, how he believes they had no intentions on really making that team better. 
They were just trying to organizations like that, right? But you, but you saw where JJ Watt left. Yeah, you saw where they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins, right? So JJ Watt was pretty outspoken about his desire to want to get out of there too. So Andre Johnson says, if you go back and you listen to some of the JJ Watt stuff after hearing what I have to say, it will connect. Mm. So I just think Deshaun Watson is in a situation where. He is trying to force his way out. They do not want that to happen. I still think right now, even with what we know, but that's what I, I still s- believe this is a I smear s- campaign. But that's what I said last week. Okay. Okay. That was my point last week. And, and I said all that to say I'm still there. You're still there. I'm still there. Okay. I was starting to sway until I heard Andre Johnson. Which was, this must have been recently. I heard Andre Johnson's uh, I'm Athlete on uh no, no, no. It was it was on my way to uh to Anderson on Thursday. Yeah. That was yesterday, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It was Okay, so and I think they cut the episode Deshaun Tuesday. Watson was like Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. In that area. Right. Third, so you were you were leaning towards being neutral, then Andre pulled you kind of back towards where you originally were. Correct. Because I don't think Andre Johnson has any reason to lie about no, the logistics I, I, of the front office. I don't think so. I don't think so. Then when I, you put JJ Watt in there, I was like, oh I goodness. have heard people say and i'm not talking about houston but i have heard that there are there are players who have contract talks or whatever talks have broken down and they want out or they want to be traded or whatever and i have heard of franchises drumming up some little some little drama with this person to hurt their value in the trade market or we can't have you no one can so they'll damage you so that you don't get what you want. 100%. Very Bush League. Yeah. So I I threw that out last week like, hey, that could be that here. But we'll know more. Time, we'll time. We're going to watch it. We'll watch it. We'll watch it. Um. So, yeah. Uh, did we, did we want to talk about last week? No. Why not? Because I'm triggered. <laughs> That's always a good reason. Yeah. I was I mean, expecting you to tap dance on that. No, nah, okay, I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to. So, so we got, we got. Wait, we hold got, on, no, no. So, so, so when you say triggered, is that like a on and off switch, or like is it like a constant state? It's like I'm triggered. It's like I'm breathing. Like how often I said triggered for effect. You know how I do, Walker. You're always triggered. We triggered you before we cut these mics back on. You did. Yeah. So. I'm ready to deliver it, but you you want to stick on the trigger term? Like, what are we doing here? When you're ready for me to deliver this, I will. So you are triggered. Oh my god! What you got, man? We got a lot of feedback about our recording last week, mainly on the the. Uh, the Don't blame the plane. My comments. Let's go. <laughs> what are we doing? Mainly on the narrative. Narrative of Walker and Black. You need to get your proclaiming you your, your, your that it should be taught to women that they need men. Yeah. So Walker, I heard I heard some support of your comments, but I heard a lot of non-support for your comments. Understandably so. So uh, I'm not going to get into the details. You don't have to. But um, you want to talk about this? You want to vindicate yourself? Not necessarily vindicate. You want to explain? Your side of things, which I think you should be able to do. So go. Thank you, my friend. Of course. Um, Gatcher and I had a conversation this week about it. 
Gatry, after our conversation, before I get into what I'm about to say, what did you take from our conversation? How much of this could I share? <laughs> what do you mean? I can't share the framework. No, but okay. just your, your thoughts coming out of that conversation. After I, I talked to you? Yeah. I was enlightened. You were enlightened. Yes. Once I got the full full story, not full story, but I guess the full explanation of your comments. Yeah. And I got to hear the depths of it. Realize A, we would not have had enough time to explain everything. And realize B, where that was woven into your commentary. Right. How's, how am I doing? Great. Actually, perfect. I was asking Black. Oh. Great. And? Perfect. Of course, you'd agree with your favorite co host. <laughs> what are we doing here? You asked. I did. I know. I was hoping y'all forgot that. <laughs> No, again, one of the things we have been one of the biggest complaints about our podcast has been consistently that it is too long. Black, looking at you, because that was used to be well, he, was he, was <laughs> he was the ringleader. He was the ringleader. Look at listeners. Look black at Black was one Black Look was the, he was one of the primary he was one of the primary members of our focus group early on this podcast. And he has been waving the flag for your podcast is too blanking long for years. Look at him now. A kid in a candy store just having a good old time with us. Don't even know what time it is. Wow. How we do you have live never, with yourself. We have never <laughs> seriously. I mean, you dropping in the facts. Okay. I'm just saying. Good point, Walker. <laughs> so, again, like, we have, especially when we get into disagreements, like, one of the things I don't want to ever do is just keep arguing and keep arguing because it, it, it loses its value, right? right? And so, of course, that was even, I was, that was already a long episode anyway. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's not enough time to unpack that. I admitted something to Gatry, um, on this week about that when when he called when we when he called me and we talked about it. I had it. I admitted that I intended to be triggering. Now, usually, I would trigger people, and it's not necessarily my intention. I'm just kind of speaking from my heart. I could have said that in a different way. But I have a feeling because of how you asked that question, you don't like me to reframe your questions. Go let me on. Know, let me know. Let me know. Go when on. I, let me know. So usually when I try to reframe it, you say, Walker, that's a yes or no question. Right? Yes. So usually You're on brand for me right now. Okay, so I'm on point. <laughs> I'm 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 batting a thousand still. Yeah. Okay. So usually that will become an argument. In other words, it's a bait question. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because there's no wiggle room. Answer yes or no. Right. Right. Because because I felt that way genuinely, I said f it, screw it. I do. I really did. I said screw like, it. Where do you find these guys? What? <laughs> no, I'm what do you mean? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I said screw it. I'm gonna say it. Yeah, well, Black actually beat me to it because he said it before I did. And I was like, well, heck, yeah. Now, when I say, and, and, and what I like to do is when I explain my position, I usually start with what I'm not saying. 
in order for you to understand what I'm saying, because I know that people hear differently. People hear oftentimes through the lens of their personal experience. So let's 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 get some things off the table so that you can understand what Walker is saying. I'm not even speaking for black black. You, you I, actually I took I took all the arrows going over this hill. Right. So black, you good. <laughs> Take, let's take let's take let's take some stuff off the table for the for the sake of this conversation. So when I say that women should be taught that they need men or need a man, I am not saying that women need men to be successful and that they need a man. Yeah, that they need a man to be successful. There are plenty of women that I know personally. One that I'm related, I'm closely related to, and my sister, who's going to college. I've known women who've gotten masters. I know women who've gotten doctorates as a single parent, right? I know women who own businesses, single, right? Same here. You don't need a man for that. All you need is what God gave you: your intellect, your your smarts, your drive, your ambition, your ingenuity. All of that. That's a byproduct of, of what your creator has given you. You don't need a man for that. So let's take that off the table. Okay. I am not saying that you need a man to validate you. The very fact that you are a product of your creator is validation enough. He's giving you again, as I articulated intelligence, he's giving you Drive. He's giving you a perspective and he's giving you something that he didn't give men, which is why I said last week, as men, we need women. I will tell a young fella, a young guy coming up, you need a woman. You need preferably a wife. That's what my pops told me. Because women bring something to the table that men don't have because he created us. God created us differently. So women have a perspective that men don't have, right? And as husbands, you and I, we're married to our wives. They have given us perspectives in our decision-making, in our day-to-day lives that in many cases we have not had by ourselves, right? So our wives have helped us to grow and to be better. Would you agree with that, Gat? 100%. So you don't need a man to validate you because you're already validated by your creator. That is why as a man, women are necessary. So you would never hear me say that I don't need a woman for that. So let's take the validation conversation off the table because that's not what I mean when I say women should be taught they need a man. Also, because we listen through the lens of our personal experiences, when I say you need a man's some people immediately go to the negative examples of men that they've encountered in their past, whether it be through co-parenting relationships, whether it be through an absent father who may have been in the home, or it may have been through men in their families who had some issues that the family protected and they shouldn't have. Right. Mm -hmm. We tend to go to those negative examples. If that was the type of man I was talking about, I would be inclined, forced to agree with you that you don't need that kind of man in your life. Let's make a deal, though. 
how about you give me the benefit of the doubt that I'm talking about a different kind of man, and then I can articulate what kind of man that I'm talking about when I say women should be taught they need a man. What kind of man you're talking about here? Okay, I'm talking about a man who wants what a lot of women do want. So when I say women should be taught they need a man, there are a lot of women who have a God-given desire for companionship. Right? They have a God-given desire for family. As you get older and you mature, you have a God-given desire for legacy. When you leave this earth, you want to live on through your seed and your children, your children's children, right? And you pass down certain principles and values that live on in them, right? That's something that a lot, not all, but a lot of women do want, okay? They do want that. If you want that, and this kind of addresses your question about wants versus needs, if you want family, if you want companionship, if you want those things, you're going to need a man for that. A man who wants those same things. A man who is healthy. A man who wants family. A man who wants companionship with you. A man who is a man of purpose, who's hopefully a godly man, but a man who wants those things, right? Who's responsible, who's accountable. You want those things. That's the kind of man I'm talking about. And I am talking about community, right? We just had our guest on and he talked about the importance of getting back to community. And it's been said that having strong black families is a, of black communities is a result of having strong black families. Well, if we're going to get back to strengthening the core of our black family, we can't get to a place to where men are saying they don't need women and women are saying they don't need men. I believe. And what I'm kicking back on is the fact that society is teaching women that men are no longer necessary in their life. I have a problem with that because I believe society is teaching us a lot of incorrect things. I'm skeptical of society because society has proven that they don't have our interest at heart. They don't have the black community's interest at heart. They don't have black families interest at heart. It, they just, it just don't. For example, society, let's talk about YG shout out to YG for, for being an artiste. Thank you. YG is a handsome little kid. I think he's a handsome little fella. And it's funny to see him growing up. I remember when he was just a babe, just, you know, in your arms, he'll be eight this year. Right. Right. Society will tell YG that, Oh, he gonna grow up to be a little heartbreaker. Have you heard that? Mm -hmm. Have you heard anyone say that about your son? Yeah. Okay, let's think about that for a minute. I know it's tongue in cheek, but just go with me, right? I know it's figurative speech, but just go with me. You've heard it and he's heard it. Maybe. A heartbreaker is someone who breaks hearts, right? 
So he's going to grow and he grows up. He's going to be a heartbreaker. Now you're different. You're, you're going to raise him up in a, in a, in a productive way to where he's going to be respectful. Right. Right. But think about how society grooms men to be promiscuous. Right. So already the seed is planted. You're going to be a heartbreaker. You're going to have all the girls on you. Right. Mm -hmm. So he grows up and now his body's changing. He's being introduced to sex. He's being introduced. And now society tells you just wrap it up. That's really what society gives us. Right. Just wrap it up. Safe sex. Protect yourself. Whatever. Okay. So now he's introduced to sex. He's sleeping around. And instead of now that he's being loose and he he's whoever wants to sleep with him, he starts to sleep. And instead of calling him what he is a hoe, we come up with classy little names for it. Like ladies, man. Right. That's more yeah. clean up and classy. Right. Mm -hmm. So society thinks it's cute. Right. He's a player. Now, they don't do women like that. They call them hoes. They go ahead and call them hoes and throw toss them to the side. The double standard in society. But but he's a ladies man. He he's he's desirable. He's this and he's that. And it's all fun and games until one day he meets someone special. Someone who loves him, someone who wants who wants to spend the rest of their life with him, who's loyal to him and he realized he can't live without her and now he wants to settle down. And for the first time in his life, Gatry, he now has to practice sexual discipline. Something he's never had to do because society just threw a condom at him and told him to just go and have fun. Right. And now for the first time, he has to say no. He can't just drop his draws for somebody just because they want to sleep with him. But he's been doing it his whole life. Right. Now he sleeps with someone outside of the marriage. Now he's struggling. He falls. He cheats. And now society turns around and calls him a dog. But you was a let you was a heartbreaker and a ladies man all up until this point. But now you're demonizing this man for the same thing you've been encouraging him all along. When really someone should have sat that young kid down and said, you're going to be married one day. One day you're going to meet someone and you're going to want to spend the rest of your life with them. And you're going to have to practice sexual discipline if she's going to carry your children she may have complications even after having carrying your children for you she she's going to spend she's going to need some time to get her 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 hormones back in, in order she's not going to be ready for you so you're going to have to practice sexual discipline early you're going to have to learn how to abstain early you're going to have to learn how to say no to women early so that when you get married, you've had practice. And as my pastor says, you play how you practice. If you're not practicing abstinence before you get married, you're going to struggle in your marriage. But society don't teach us that. So if society is setting men up for failure, how do women know that society ain't setting them up for failure? If society is lying to us as men, how can you be so sure, women, that society ain't lying to you when they tell you you don't need a man? And you know good and well you have a desire for companionship. You know good and well you have a desire for a family. You know good and well you want that. 
Society is lying to you and we should be skeptical. Yes, I know society sometimes gets it right, but we should be skeptical when, when society imposes these standards on us because you, we want for the most part, we want companionship. And how can we build our communities and build strong black families? If men and women are saying they don't need each other. Because we bring something to the table, just like women bring something to the table. Healthy black men are bringing something to the table. Healthy white men are bringing something to the table. Healthy men are bringing something to the table. But because society only focuses on negativity all the time, it's hard to see it because we're trained to respond to negativity first. Think about it. I asked my wife outside of the of, of ABC's Blackish, how many shows showcases a black family where the husband and wife are in the same household, loving each other and loving their kids. I told her go. She named two. Just two. Were they in syndication? Yeah. Barely. I well, one I don't know. One of them has Cedric and the Entertainer and Tashina Arnold. Okay, the I, neighborhood. Yeah. I think that that was one she named, and the other one was Queen Sugar by Own. That show black men who that yeah, y'all y'all don't even know. That's Ava DuVernay did has done that show. It's a good show. But she just named two. Now think about how many shows are popular in our culture that shows nothing but dysfunction. We're so wired to negativity. It's our source of entertainment now. We don't even think about it. So it's easily to see negativity before you see positivity. Am I right? Yeah. So we say, women say, well, we're the good men. They're out there. But if we've been wired to see negativity, and sometimes men, we're guilty of that as too, of that as well, because we focus on negative women, but they're positive women out there. If we're saying we don't need a man, we're saying we don't need someone to help cover our blind spots, give us a different perspective and help us grow. Because I'm pretty sure you're helping your wife to grow in areas, aren't you, Gat? Yeah. I'm helping my wife to grow in areas. I, I, I explain things to my wife that she didn't even think about it that way. It works vice versa. We need each other. We're not independent. We should be interdependent because God gave each of us things he didn't give the other. And it's a not only is it prideful to say you don't need a man, but it's also toxic because you're saying, I don't necessarily want to be better by having this man in my life. I don't need to be better. Again, we're not talking about your past experiences. We're not talking about that. I apologize that you ran across poor examples of men and I'm not telling women that they should just find any man. You should, you still got to vet out each other. That's what dating is for. What I am saying is society is forcing a standard in on women that I think is, is counterproductive and dangerous because I think at the end of the day, a lot of women want companionship. And you undermine yourself by putting it out in the atmosphere that you don't need a man. And I think as men, I think it's important for you, people like you, I am black. I believe we're good men. Let's continue to do what we're doing, but with intentionality. 
Let's continue to love our wives, love our kids, but also be brothers to these women out here who are single. Right? Be someone that they can they can reach out to. You can give them advice. You can encourage them. You can let them know. Reach out to our fe- our, our friend our female friends and, and just let them know we're there. We don't have to look at women as somebody we objectify and someone that we that we can get. You know what I mean? They are people like let's treat them like sisters. Let's let's instill that hope that there's still good brothers out there. So for the good men, keep doing what you're doing, but with intentionality so that we can change this narrative because I don't like this narrative. I think women are necessary, but men, we're necessary as well. And I think we should push back on what society is saying. That was my point. I bet you won't say nothing else. What else is there to say? Nothing. That was my best shot. You're more than free to still disagree with me, but at least you understand where I'm coming from now. Any thoughts, guys? Or are we? Uh, that's what I was going to say word for word. Cat? <laughs> nothing. Was that pretty much what we talked about? Yeah. Okay. Nothing. We're good. You want to close us out with uh, with shout outs? Shout out to Walker. <laughs> Walker, who you got? My shout out is Savion Harris from Crestview, Florida. Did y'all hear about this guy? No. Okay. He is Crestview, a, huh? I like yeah. Crestview. He's an 11th grader at Crestview High School. Check this out. What do you do? He's working at this Thai restaurant, T-H-A-I. The mother, the mother of, I think, anyway, the mother of a child who's associated with the ownership of the restaurant uh, comes downstairs screaming, somebody call 911. She's holding a six-month-old infant who is blue and not breathing. Savion gets the authorities on the phone. While he's on the phone with the authorities, takes the child, puts the child on the table, starts doing chest compressions on this kid. Kid starts crying, face is restored, saves his kid's life. He's 16 years old. Now, you're looking at a guy who at 16 would probably wet himself if he were put in a similar situation. So at 16? At 16, yeah. I'm not I, at 16 I was nowhere I was nowhere I'm positioned saying, would to would you wet yourself now or like you you would know No, I got kids, so like I I, I would Fair I'd be enough. more effective now. Fair enough, continue. Um but uh I think this is dope. Savion goes on to credit his uh his school's technical resource academy who requires routine CPR training. How crazy is that, right? He's on a track to uh, attend Florida State after he's in high school and uh, become an ER nurse. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So this is pretty dope, especially for a 16-year-old. I think this is more than worthy of a shout-out. Operating in his passion. I like to hear that. Well, I am going to tug at your heartstrings a little bit, Gatry, by shouting out someone that's near and dear to your heart. Um, I think you consider him to be the GOAT uh, when it comes to the NBA. That's Michael Jeffrey. 
Thought you meant Drake. Sorry. Go ahead. He's the Drake. Drake is the goat in the NBA. He might as well be. Okay. Michael Jordan and the Jordan brand recently unveiled a $1 million initiative to provide grassroots organizations that are dedicated to fighting racial injustice. So just recently on Twitter, um, the Jordan brand announced that they will be, uh, they, they have a cycle of community grant programs, which will provide $1 million a year to local organizations that are focused on improving the lives of black Americans. If you recall last year when the whole George Floyd situation, Michael Jordan pledged that he was going to do get $1 million, $100 million, I believe, to fight for social injustice, racial, uh, inequ- uh, racial equality, the whole nine. So this is their them taking the initiative to actually put their money where their mouth is. Starting with this, I'm looking forward to seeing what other initiatives that they do uh, in addition to this. But this is a great start. So shout out to Jordan and the Jordan brand for their efforts. And let me just go on record by saying Michael Jordan is the GOAT. You sure about that? Oh yeah. Discuss or trash? Discuss. Trash. <laughs> Y'all just trying tonight. Y'all trying. I mean, I think Aubrey. You think Aubrey? Y'all know Graham? I've been up since four a.m. Y'all trying. You make that seem like that was just an exception today. <laughs> Walker. Lacey Cordell Gentry. From Concord, North Carolina, is my player of the week. Did y'all hear about what this guy did? No. You're going to love this. I'm sure I will. I think he goes by Cordell, not Lacey. Young Cordy. uh, (laughs) You know I do that for effect, Walker. (laughs) Nah, Cordell um, had been working at a Walmart in Concord, North Carolina. Uh, Hadn't been working there long. Not sure what happens, but he ends up being terminated. So just like anybody else, you know, getting fired from their job, he felt a way about it, right? Most of us know how to handle that, but some of us do not. Cordell then took his stuff. He went to the parking lot, got in his car, cranked it up, reversed out, turned around, drove into the Walmart, drove into the front door. Walker, here's where this gets rich. He busts through the front door. And according to reports, he had to like drive, reverse, drive, reverse before he could actually penetrate the store with his vehicle. Mm. He drives in and proceeds to continue to drive up and down any aisle that his Volkswagen Jetta would fit through. (laughs) It gets better. So, of course... As he's as he's trying to enter the facility in his vehicle, they alert the authorities. The police come on foot. They walk up. They approach the car. He's still driving up and down the aisles. <laughs> he was unharmed. Let me let me because I know that's that's a sensitive thing. He's unarmed, but um, he was charged with two felony counts of assault with a deadly weapon. No one was hurt. The store is going to rebuild. It's Walmart. But young Cordy, 
You played yourself, bro. This is no way to act when you get fired from your job. You idiots! Sounds rich to me. <laughs> um, my uh, player of the week goes out to Rob Lederman. Rob Lederman used to be a part of the morning show called 97 Rock. Um, oh, one of my Buffalo. favorite stations. <laughs> Out of Buffalo, New York, I believe. And he got terminated pretty swiftly for some comments that he made. Um, would you like to hit? Here you go. Here you go. How, what? So what is your... What, what num- what's the number? You're I think it's, 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 a, it's probably a seven-ish. Six, oh six to seven, God. probably seven. See, we have ours, and I'm going to make it into trouble it's for like this. Two o'clock. I have them to the attractiveness of women that I find to be attractive. <laughs> so I'll go. I will never go to a Serena Williams level, but I'm very comfortable with like uh, uh, I'm very comfortable at uh, a Halle Berry level. Mm-hmm. Okay. I need a, a, a little bit of mulatto still coming through. It can't be not you know, like is Gail King not that's not in your realm. No, Gail King is not even in on my on my toaster level How, what so what is yeah. your what, what number so, so he 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 compared it to like toast so he on his toast level so the more the more dark you are the less desirable you are but if you got a little bit of brown in you like a holly berry then that's what he goes for he said that on air and swiftly got terminated as a result of such because Heads were rolling, as you can possibly imagine. Now, this is a pretty self-explanatory player of the week here. Here's the thing. Usually when you lead with saying, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, you're probably all right. And that's prop. That was your warning to just not continue. Okay. Just wasn't a good look. Um, he has since been very apologetic, obviously, as a result of this. But, you know, at the end of the day, Khaled seems to think he's done this. And, and what's that, Khaled? Congratulations. You played yourself. So, enjoy employment. That's all I got. And again, you're speechless. This is just beyond compelling to me. Why? Do tell. Toast meter? <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Now that's locker room talk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is some straight up locker room talk. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. It's 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 wild. It's wild. It's wild. You think they did the right thing there? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just checking. Just and I, it's, it's interesting to me because I've been somewhat hypercritical of cancel culture as of late. So there is a time and place to cancel certain people. Yes. 
the look at the range of growth coming from the opposite side of this table. But there's another side to this, Walker. What's the other side? It's nuanced, right? Did you just hear what he just said? <laughs> it's not black and white. Tune in next we, week. No, we we harped on you harped on a lot about the weight and the influence of society. Yeah. I believe as we continue to cancel people, we're creating a society of perfection. Sure. We're robbing humans of the opportunity and the chance to be human. It's nuanced. I understand there are certain things you just cannot get away with saying. Toast meter. On that list is on that list. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Um, so yeah, so that 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 explains a critical element I've had lately, just because I've dis- heard certain things. I don't and disagree like, with what you said at all. Okay. I, I I do think it's a bit extreme. I do think it's a bit extreme in that regard when we talk about cancel culture, but there are some things that are just ridiculous. Again, you said out your mouth. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. And you continued anyway, (laughs) which means you thought it first, then you said it and then proceed to say whatever it was that your brain was telling you. Don't do this. this. Right. Right. Don't do it. Reconsider. So it's, so you can't even say, I didn't know. You can't even say that. Like you You just got to, you took that away when you said, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. You got to take that box and pack it and walk out. Yeah, you could at least play dumb, right? But you took that away. You took that off the table. But whatever. <sighs> Seriously, why did y'all just y'all had nothing to say, huh? About Walker, let me y'all ask leave you me, something. Y'all leave me on an island. I, I thought it was going to be. A, a, let me ask you something. All right, and I want you to listen to this question. When you told me. Same thing on the phone earlier this week or last week when people are listening now. What did I have to say then? Nothing. So why do you think this would be any different? So is this, is this a question for black or is this for me? Oh, uh, just both of y'all. Well, somebody Ex- told me the podcast too long, so I didn't want to say nothing. Did you hear something? <laughs> I can't. Did you just? Did you just turn? <laughs> I can't. You just shut down. You shut down, Black. <laughs> Wait, Black, are you in a mood? No, I'm good. Are you triggered? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a safe. It's a safe space for triggering. <laughs> Lord knows, I can attest to that. Yes, you can be triggered here. We all learn it, man. We all learn it. But anyway, um, thank you guys for tuning in to our latest episode um just go to just go to instagram and twitter at the tipping point tha tipping tipping point that's an a uh let's see what else do we what else do we ask you to do yeah we have a youtube page go check that out any new subscribers to youtube yes yeah one hold on no They didn't want their name disclosed, so I had to use that. So if you're a cricket, you can go out to our YouTube page. We'll take them. They got a YouTube account. 
and subs- and follow us and subscribe there um i guess and um hit me with uh hit me with uh my church music as we give the the tipping point benediction may the lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another go in peace go in peace go in peace have a great safe productive week and as always I am Caesar Walker. He is Ronnie Gatchery. We are the Tipping Point Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Um.